0: I want to talk about some ideas that we can uh, change the way we think in terms of leaving a good impression on people around us, how we can leave a good impression. Some of the most powerful uh, message, the most powerful message that comes at the beginning of this Torah portion called Vayetzeh, when Jacob left. And he left a impression. So from here, I want to speak about how we can leave a good impression on people around us. little fun story about myself yesterday. I was with Abraham in Costco and I was pushing him in the cart and uh, being Abraham, he loses his keeper every two minutes. So uh, his keeper fell off and I didn't notice it being me because I don't notice anything. So I keep walking and then all of a sudden someone uh, comes running after me and says, hey, is is this yours? And uh, I'm really happy with myself, but automatically without even thinking twice, I said, oh, how did you know? And uh, in front of the whole store, she just like burst out laughing. And um, I was pretty proud of myself. It was, uh, it was a good joke. and um, Left off this situation in kind of a, what, what was an awkward situation for her. It walked off as a very funny, uh, good feeling, good vibe. She walked off like all happy and it just it just changed like, the the moment she was a bit embarrassed at first but then um so i felt good i would say that i felt great maybe a fake type of great i don't know um i made somebody impressed with a situation in a way which was funny but what i want to talk about really is uh how we can make an impression on people which is real so there's making an impression and there's making a real impression So uh for most of you that are here, you you weren't in the guys' talks, and even Dan wasn't. So I've been speaking about this recently, and it's very connected into this week's Torah portion. So basically, in this week's Torah portion is called Bayetseyakov, Jacob leaves. He leaves his home because his brother esav is trying to kill him. He got the rights to the firstborn ship, he got the blessing of his father. And he leaves. It says, Jacob went out of the place he was from, which is Be'esheba. And he went to another place called Haran. And outside of Israel. He left his home, he left his family, and he went to another place alone. And the obvious question is, why are you telling me where he came out from? We all know where he came out from. That's what we were all talking about, is he left his home. So why would the Torah use extra words to tell me that he left when we all know where he left from just say he went and he went to haran like it would with abraham like it would with everyone else with isaac it always says that they went why is it different here that jacob went out it tells me where he went out from and rashi says an amazing commentary he says to tell me that he went out he was when he went out he was felt His leaving was felt amongst the people, because when a tzaddik leaves a place, he has an impact on the place, and it has an impact when he leaves. As long as a tzaddik, a righteous person, is in the city, he's the beauty, he's the awe of the city. He gives it a presence. As soon as that righteous person leaves, the beauty of this place leaves along with it. So what we see is that when Jacob left, he left an amazing impression. He left an impression on his family and everyone that was with him. And what's very interesting, I know I'm, I'm giving a lot of Torah here, but what's very interesting is that it only says this by Jacob. They all left. Abraham also left his family. We were talking about Lech Lecha when he left his family. Isaac, Jacob's father, also left his family. Well, he didn't leave his family, but he was going to leave. And he was going to leave because there was a famine. Again, it says, he went. It doesn't say that he went out from. They were righteous. When they went out, it doesn't say that they were specifically different. So the big question is, why is Jacob unique? Many rabbis, many of our forefathers, many of our tzaddikim left places, but it doesn't say the word Vayetzeh. Why is it unique by Jacob? So that's what I want to talk about. What is unique about Jacob's energy? Jacob Avinu's energy, that his impression was felt on the people that he left from. I'll, I'll talk about the different answers here, but I want to talk about making an impression on other people. So there's a way that you can make real impressions on people, and there's a way that you can make a false impression on people. So the parable that's given in in The teachings of uh, Hasidim, uh, the Hasidic writings, they give a parable. I think this is brought by the Baal Shem Tov, One of the rabbis of uh, the teachers of the Hasidic movement gives a beautiful parable to explain times when we make an impression on people and it's false. And times when we make an impression on people and it's real. This is so important for life dating everything. The example is a donkey and every day this donkey is hired for different tasks people rent out the donkey and uh, one day the donkeys rented out to carry the garbage in the city and he's got garbage all over it and as he's traveling around the city what do you think people are doing they're all running away from the donkey and the donkey feels terrible he feels horrible the whole day everyone hates me what's wrong why is everyone hating me this is terrible this my life is so bad. Eventually comes back home to his friend donkey and he tells him, it was such a horrible day. Terrible day. Everyone was running away from me. The next day, the donkey's hired to um, carry a bride and a groom. He's hired for a wedding. And this time, he's dressed all beautifully. And the, everyone comes running near the donkey and says, wow, this donkey is so beautiful. And this day, The donkey feels amazing. The donkey comes home and his friend asks him, how was it? How was your day? He says, this was the most amazing day. Yesterday was my worst day. Today was the best day. Why? Everyone loved me. Everyone was coming near me. Everyone was looking at me. And his friend says to him, you're making a mistake. Yesterday, when they all ran away from you, they weren't running away from you. They were running away from what was on you. Today, when they were all liking you, they weren't liking you. They were liking the things that were on you. This is what we call the false impression on people. It's a, it's a a counterfeit enjoyment that I get by thinking that people are looking at me, but they're really looking at the things I own, whether it's my even my body or my looks. Sometimes they could be looking at that, but not me. A guy drives in the street. With his beautiful car. It's got a Ferrari. The windows are tinted. No one can even see inside the Ferrari. He stops at a red light. Everyone's pointing at his car. And inside that car, he feels great. <laughs> he feels great. No one even sees him. And you'll tell him, they're all pointing at you. You know why? He says, yeah, because of my car. And I feel great. But they don't even see you. The cars, are, the windows are tinted. I feel great. That's called a counterfeit impression on other people, where I feel like I'm making an impression on others, but it's not really for me. It's just something that I have externally that people are looking at and liking. They're not liking me. That's called a false impression. Now, we do that a lot in our generation because we objectify things. The minute that we take out the soul, right, our culture doesn't believe or tries to ignore the soul, God, and and anything beyond physical. So the minute we objectify things is the minute that that's what people identify me with. That's a big problem. Oh, excuse me for being very explicit, uh, uh, very clear. A a girl walks into a, a bar. This is not a joke. This is real. It's unfortunately not a joke. A girl walks into the bar. Five guys are sitting on a table and they all turn their heads around. And they look at this girl. Do they know her name? No. Do they know where she's from? No. Do they know anything about? All they know is the way that she looks. In fact, they're not even looking at her face. They're looking at something else. Right? And the one that understands will understand. They're not even looking at her face. Do you get it? They don't care about her. And for, God forbid if she would walk into the same bar the next day after a car accident on a wheelchair, not one eye will turn because she doesn't matter. It's what she can offer me that matters. And that's that's the reality of what happens when we objectify the physical world. Does this make sense to anyone? Is this making sense? It's, very, it's a very hard truth. A very difficult truth to face but this is the reality so what's making a real impression called what's that what 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 is it what does it mean to make a real impression Where well, someone sees me for who I am okay that's called an impression that's really made when people see my presence when somebody sees my energy my real energy where somebody sees my personality Okay. Not that it's, if I'm not around, they miss me. They don't miss what I can offer. They miss me. And that's the energy that Yaakov Avinu gave. So the question is how? Now, by the way, righteous people are not always people that are liked because they hold, they lift the standards up. This is what the commentary says here. Many of the wicked people didn't let, la- were happy that he left. Ah, oh, Jacob left. You know why? Because when you see a righteous person around, it lifts the morals of the of the environment. You ever you ever had a great conversation, and then that annoying friend comes along and says, "You know, it's really un- it's really not nice that we're talking about so and so like this. I really feel bad. Let's change conversation." Have you ever had that moment where somebody pulls calls out the Losh and hara, calls out the gossip and says, "Please, let's change conversation." And you're like, "Really, this was such a good heated good conversation. You are annoying." But really, they are righteous, okay? They are the people that will be missed. Their energy is an energy that might not be liked by everybody. That's not what we're talking about here. It's an energy that makes a real impression. And that might mean that you have to raise the quality of the the society that you're in, the environment that you're in, but it's worth it. Because that's called making a real impression. So that, for me, is what... Is making one of the most watched TED talks uh, on on YouTube. Check this out; it's by a guy called Julian Treasure. It's over 30 million views. Do you know what he's? Do you know what this uh, TED talk's about? How to speak so people want to listen. Have you seen that TED talk? So, how to speak so people want to listen. It's amazing. Do you know why? Because Almost all of those qualities that he said you have to have are nothing to do with anything objective. I'll tell you what they are. He said, one is honesty, being very clear and straight. Isn't that an internal value? Isn't that something inside of you, not on the outside? Of course it is. Authenticity is being yourself. Integrity, sticking to your word. I think integrity is more than that. According to the Oxford Dictionary, do you know what the definition of, Uh, Integrity is, I have it written down here somewhere. The state of being whole and undivided. Isn't that a nice definition? Just being complete with yourself. And love, which he said means wishing them well. A positive attitude, positive words, positive language. I think when you, one of the best ways to make people like you, in, in a good way, obviously, is if you. Give them compliments. The more you compliment someone, the more likely they will like you. So um, honesty, authenticity, integrity, and love, which is wishing them well. That is all internal. You realize we think the way to get somebody's attraction is to having objective things that will cause the attention to come in. But what we're seeing now is for the attention to really last and have a meaningful impression is based on who you really are from inside, how much of a person you've grown from inside, not on the outside. And this is the impression that Jacob left. He went out. It doesn't need to say the Torah never spares. One word talks about some of the most complex laws later on, monetary laws. Every word is concise. Every word is to the detail. But here, it had to tell me that he went out from where he came from, even though we knew he went out, to teach me that he left a major impression. Now, I want to say something even crazier. What was unique about Jacob? Remember last week we said that there are three different energies, three tchonot ha-nefesh. Remember this? We said there's three different types of energy, different people. There's chesed people like we said on our trip, Barakha personalities. Then there's Gevura people. There's a personality which is more um, punctual, on time, organized, restrictive, all about being formal. Then there's another personality which is called Chaim or uh, Emet, a truthful personality. Somebody who always stands for the truth, likes to look deep into things. That's another personality. are three types of people. Bracha people, which is somebody who blesses everyone they see. Tov people, people that just want things to be good and organized, Gevura, which is restrictive, that's Isaac. And then there's Jacob people, they look at things from a deeper level. That was Yaakov Avinu. Our forefather was of Jacob, he was Emet. And Emet means he's a Chaim personality. The holiday of Sukkot is looking through. to look through the physical reality and see a spiritual dimension. That was Jacob. And that energy is missed. You know why? Because when somebody sees things on a deeper level, not just on the surface level, he sees the real impression of people, he's at harmony. That's why Emet, Aleph, Mem, Taf. Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Mem is the middle. Taf is the last. That's what truth is. It stands the test of time. But also, what truth represents is tranquility and harmony. That's what it says. That a person who's a person of emet is also mushlam. He's complete. He's in he's in he's he's complete with himself. Isn't that the language of honesty, authenticity, integrity, and love? That's the language. It's amazing. So The person that gave the biggest impression, more than Abraham and Jacob, on his surroundings, more than Abraham and Isaac, was Jacob. By the way, Abraham had a lot of chesed, a lot of kindness. Too much kindness can cause problems. We know that too much kindness can cause you to not have, to to a state of promiscuity. A state where you give yourself away freely because you feel bad to say no. It's too much kindness can cause. That's why, by the way, out from Abraham, who was his two children? Abraham had two children. He had Yishmael and he had who? We're talking about Abram, Isaac and Jacob, right? He had Isaac. So from Abraham came also Yishmael. What was Yishmael's energy? Yishmael's energy is Znut, is the hot energy of um, promiscuity. Oops. Oh. So that's, that's the energy of, that's the energy of Ishmael. That's what came out of Abraham. Then came out Isaac. Isaac was Gevurah restriction, discipline. Do you know what came out of him? It came out Jacob, but also came out was Asaph. Asaph was a man of, um, of, uh, uh, kinah, of jealousy of trying to attain as much as he can, theft, murder, right? He just wanted everything. That comes from too much restriction. When you have too much restriction, then the opposite of that will be wanting stuff, right? And wanting to accumulate stuff, power. And then came Jacob. Jacob was the perfect balance of Chesed and Gavura. That's the perfect balance. That energy was missed. That's why only by him it says, Vayetze Yaakov, Jacob went out so that's that's emet emet means i see things from deep deep from within i don't see things on the surface level i see things for who they really are right you want you want a good guy if you want a good guy this is what you need you need a guy who's going to look at you for who you really are not for your surface level not for the things that you can offer whether it's your even your body or Your car or stuff like that. Someone who can see you for who you really are. And guys, if you want a really good girl, you also need someone who lives for who she really is and looks at you for who you really are. Not for a world which is too objective. That's what a real relationship is. Those people we love. They're not always the ones, even if they're not the ones that I'm going to marry, those are the people we love. You get what I'm saying here? Because they see me for who I really am. That energy is missed. That's Vayetri yakov So how do we, because this is what this guy, uh, Julian Treasure, in the most well-known TED Talk, how to speak to people who want to listen, how do we get to a state of honesty, authenticity, integrity, and love? Didn't really expound on how you get that. We just, in that short video, he just told us that's what you need. How do you get that? how do you actually get it? What do you do in order to be a Jacob, which is emet, truth, honesty? How do you get that? And that's this week's Torah portion. Do you know what Jacob did before he went out? He went out, he was told, go and get married. So he left because he was also in danger, but he also went on a mission to build a Jewish people. And he went on this mission. Do you know what rabbis teach us? He stopped on the way for 14 years to study Torah. He said, I'm not doing such a mission without knowing what my mission is. I'm not getting married without knowing who I am. Do you know what Jacob did? This is how he dated. He internalized for 14 years. I'm not saying that this is what we need to do. But he internalized. He went away for 14 years studying about himself and life and overcoming himself. Studying about the world, studying Torah to a high extent. And then he traveled towards getting married. So one of the greatest ways to being a person that's honest, authentic, integral, loving, we're not born this way. No one's born this way. We're all born with faults. We're all born as takers. You know, one rabbi says, when a child's born, his hands are closed. When he leaves the world, his hands are open. Because we're born taking. A child doesn't think as as beautiful and innocent they are. They only think of themselves. As they grow, they learn to consider somebody else. You know, they think about their mom, their dad a bit. They don't wake them up at three in the morning. Then they get a bit older, they, they, they consider things, you know they realize that I shouldn't be making this noise because it's bothering people or whatever at, at a young age they, they don't they just have themselves in in their own reality that they don't have anything else. As we grow, we need to aim towards becoming a more perfect person, and that's what our job in this world is meant to be. It's meant to be that we work on ourselves to getting to emit. It's not that you get it straight away. Some people are more angry. Some people are more um, uh, lazy. There's all different energies that we need to work on. And how do you work on it? Well, we think you just have it. And the truth is, it's not like that. It takes a lot of study, Torah study, Musa. The Ga'an of Vilna says that the point of every human being in this world is to perfect himself, to come to improve his midot. So, if your if your biggest challenge is that you get angry, that's your tikkun. That's the thing that you need to fix in this world. How do you fix it with one of your best energies? What you're good at. But one thing's for sure: what you're most challenged at, that's what you most need to work on. That's that's how. So how do we do that through Torah study? That's what Jacob was. That's how you get into a place where you're in, you're complete with yourself, where you understand exactly the area where chesed needs to be given and when gavura needs to be given. You see, by the way, a person that's too nice and kind, and you know, they're, do you know what their problem is going to be? They don't have boundaries, and having no boundaries is somebody that's not attractive. We all are attracted to somebody who's very sure, not who's proud, not somebody who's proud, but who's very confident in the way, in the path of living. They're very confident in the way of speaking. I think that's, to me, that's the, one of the most attractive things when you see, when you see someone who's put together and they have a good direction of how they want to be and who they want to be. To me, that's, that's emet. That's somebody who's emet. We, we we need somebody like that. That's who we should be looking for. Somebody with emet in them. And how do we do that? One of the ways is where they have a good givura, where they have a good amount of restriction on themselves. They don't just um, eat when they want to eat. They don't just talk when they want to talk. They actually listen this is called somebody with a good amount of restriction on himself so that that that's that's called somebody who's attractive how do you get there the answer is through Torah study if you're if you're a jew you should not be leaving your study of wisdom to school that's not a jewish concept i study every single day and if i don't i don't know if shira is listening but shira will tell me i could tell you didn't study enough today go and learn that's what she would notice if I'm not a hundred percent myself. If I'm not happy, my happiness is really, de- is, is not dependent on anything, but it's definitely improved and impacted by what I do in that day and what I achieve. So I don't know if, if you don't have some kind of book and especially it should be a Jewish book that you are reading from or learning from something. I don't know what it is, but if there's nothing you're learning right now, then that's going to be a recipe for a lot of challenges because you're not going to feel good with yourself. You have to have some kind of book that you're reading, something, and I'm not, and and and, and I, ideally a Jewish book on um, improving your. I mean, that's what I'm going to say because, you know, but improving your character, something on on in skills to living a more Uh, successful life. Now, the beautiful thing is about Torah is it's a lot of stories, like Vayetzeh is all stories that hidden in it is the message of how to improve yourself and how to improve your life. So I I think that one of the unique ways, the unique qualities of the Torah is to use parables to actually really drain into my emotions the values that we need. Not just reading about them. You know, there's a difference between um reading a bunch of phone numbers and remembering the names of the people and then having those numbers hidden behind the names. That's how we do it, right? I don't know Dan Spouter's actual cell number. I know his name and that's how it's saved on my phone. Imagine if we were all required to remember. Do you remember when those days? I don't know if you remember. But we actually had to have, we had to remember the phone numbers, dial it in. Right. M- many phones didn't actually have on the phone a, besides for a dial, they didn't have, you know, you had to dial in the number. There was no namesake. How many numbers can you already remember? Try and study a, a, a phone book of numbers and remember the numbers off by heart. You know what? You know why you can't? Because our mind needs to be connected emotionally to something. You can't just remember numbers and name and things it needs to be emotionally connected we need a story a parable behind it to send me the message as much as i talk right now there's no much there's nothing as good as a parable that would send you the message as well and that's what the torah is it's one it's a real message that's for sure but it's one big story and amazing stories and it's so and it leaves you with so many questions and when you study all the questions you're left with oh wait a second i need i need to see why what's behind this story and then the the drama and this the idea behind the stories will gets you emotionally connected and will give you the answers to life much better than somebody who just gives a lecture and speaks for hours on end of t- you know pointing his finger it, it's much more powerful when you hear a story and through there the message comes so that's That's what Jacob was, and his energy was missed, specifically. Oh, there were Abram, Isaac. They were also, when they left, their energy was missed, sure. But Jacob's was unique because he was a person on the highest level of emet. He managed to have Abram's energy, Jacob's, uh, Isaac's energy, and his own unique one, which is to be truthful, to be integral, to see things for who they really are on on a much deeper level. Okay, so that's, that's my introduction. Then, don't know if we have much time, but that was my introduction to, um, to leaving an impression because he left. What did he leave? He left, He left an amazing impression on the people that he left from. And we want to do that too. Whether it's leaving this world or leaving people or speaking to people or having a conversation, having a meaningful conversation, It's about leaving a good impression, being honest. By the way, this whole story of Jacob, he got into a trickster called Lovan. He had to run away. He ran ran to his uncle called Lovan and he married Lovan's daughter. And he got tricked into marrying the wrong daughter. Then he married Rachel. He married Rachel and Leah. And he was very honest. He worked seven years exactly as he promised in order to get married. And then he worked another seven years. The, the story is, it's a story of truth on its highest level, of integrity. And that's who he was. Anyway, so that's my little introduction of what can really influence and cause you to have shlemut, tranquility also, to be peaceful with yourself, complete with yourself. That's through studying. The more intellectually stimulated you become through Torah the more wisdom you get in life through Torah the more happiness you will have the more deep you will be the more attractive you will be okay that's number one I want to talk about the next thing that happened to him which is that he went to sleep and he had a dream the famous dream of Jacob now he didn't just dream anywhere he dreamt and he went to sleep in Makom, in a special place. And that place was Mount Moriah, the holiest place for the Jewish people. Now, he goes to sleep, and do you know what he dreams of? This dream needs to be studied. It's not just for no reason. He dreams of a ladder that's on the ground, and the head of the ladder reaches the heavens. sulam <inaudible> It's a ladder that's on the ground and its head is reaching to the heavens. Godly angels or are going up and down this ladder. Going up first, then down. What is going on with this dream? I'll tell you what happens. Hashem is on the top of the ladder and he says to, to Jacob, I am God, the father of your father and Isaac. The, this is the land that you are on. I'm going to give it to you and your children. You were still in the land of Israel. He says, I'm going to make you. You'll be like the dust of the land, spread east, north, south, west, all over the world. And you, through you, all the world will be blessed. I'm going to be with you and guard you in every way you go. I would return you to this land exactly how how I have promised you. And Jacob wakes up and he's like, wow, this place is amazing. How awesome this place is. This is the story. So he's having this dream. Now, if he's having a dream and it's telling me this dream, there's obviously a message here. What's the message? Why is he dreaming about a ladder? And why is he on the ground? And the head of the ladder is reaching the heavens. And there's angels going up and down. Don't angels come from up there? So shouldn't the angels be going down and then up? It doesn't say that. It says angels were going up and then down. So this is what we believe. Okay, this is what the Zohar Kabbalah explains. And this is what we all need to know. And this is what we believe. Judaism believes that we are all sleeping at the bottom of this ladder. We are all at the bottom of a ladder. And there are angels going up and down our ladder. Can you see it? (laughs) There's an angel going up and down your ladder. Now let's think about that for a second. You, this is for everyone. This is for every single person. You and I and everyone that's listening is a neshama, a soul. And we believe that the foot of the soul the bottom of the soul is in the body. But who you really are and your impact is far beyond your physical body. So it's like we are in the, f- this is all parables, okay? Don't think we're in the shoe right now. But we are all like in the shoe, considering the soul. And much of who we are is way beyond us that we can't even see. And the impact of what we do cannot be really seen. But it's way greater. There's real impact behind what we do. And every time I do a good action, an energy is created in the world. A force is created in the world. Every time I do something bad, a force is created in the world. Do you know what that force is? It's called an angel. An angel is a messenger of Hashem that Hashem allows us to create. So now let me ask you a question. According to, by the way, angels are not physical beings. We're talking about spiritual energies. That cannot be described in terms of physical, but we use physical ideas to kind of fathom what this means. But they're not physical. No fairy tales. No no wings flapping. These are real, powerful energies that we create, and they do things. Every time you do a mitzvah, a good deed, something is happening. An energy is created. You give tzedakah, an energy is created. You smile to someone. You gave some chesed, an energy is created. You did Shabbat. And energies created these are energies that we create that's what we believe and these energies create angels that go up and down the ladder now i want to ask you what's greater what's greater in your eyes an angel or a human being based on what i just said A human being because we have the power to create angels. Exactly. We have the power to create them. Now, theoretically, holiness is by the angels. There's no there's no physical direction that it's pulled in that pulls it to do the wrong thing. An angel that can never do the wrong thing. So in terms of its kedusha, its holiness, there's nothing like the, the angels way holier. But still, we are the force behind it. And therefore, do you know what it's like? It's like having a pillar of a building. And who puts the pillar there? Humans, in order to create the building. Is the pillar stronger than a human? Of course, it can hold weight that's thousands of tons of weight. A strong pillar can hold tons of weight. Who put it there? A human. Who created it? Well, using physical things, we created it. So a human created it. But what's bigger? What's more powerful? The human. Because a human can make hundreds of those. In reality, what's more strong? The, the, uh, the pillar. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which one is bigger in terms of what it does. It's the impact and potential that matters. And our potential is the greatest. We are the only things that are godlike that we could choose in this world to create or destroy and, and create things like God creates. We are the only things that are God-like. That's a Jewish philosophy. So we have the ability to, through, this is, by the way, the energy of Jacob. This is Jacob's energy to see the, the physical and see way beyond it. And this is what we're meant to do, is meant to recognize that our actions in this world is like a ladder. And we are on the ground and every single thing I do causes an energy to go up and what happens is a new energy comes back down. By the way, this is hidden in the Star of David. What's the Star of David? It's two triangles. That's what it is. It's one triangle going up and one triangle going down. There's two lines that are diagonal, right? There's two diagonal lines One represents the lower world. One represents the upper world. And when we do something in this world, we cause energy to go up like this, above the spiritual worlds. And what happens is, things come back to us because of that. New situations occur because of the actions that we do in this world. Every single thing that we do in this world causes different codes and different things to be created. And they... react based that we can define our code of our life. We have a huge impact on our life coding. If you want to say like the matrix, just much better. Real. I don't know, Jack. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Well, I like Nathan Shapiro movie real Ah. much better. So that's, that's what we are. We're all part of this amazing, um, impact that we have that can cause things to either through our actions can cause things that can go up and then we'll bring them back down in a new light new energies will come down that's who we all are and they were the angels of jacob but that's the message is that's who we are and what do we have to do we have to constantly work our way up that ladder we start at the bottom of the ladder but we work our way up who's on top of the ladder god Obviously, this is all figurative. God's not a being that sits on a ladder, right? This is all a parable. God's an infinite being. He's not a body, nor a figure of a body, not according to Jewish teaching. But what we're saying is that we always have to elevate ourselves in ways that we can so that we can come higher and higher on this ladder. A person, by the way, a ladder specifically, we either go up or down. There's no. This is what the God of Vilna says. There's no two ways. There's no more than two ways. Either you're going up or down. If you're staying on the same level at the age of 30 and then 35, you're the same person as you were when you were 30, you went down. A person is either striving and going up in terms of spiritual success. I'm not talking about financial success. I'm talking about becoming a better person. You're either going up or you're going down. There's no such thing. A child that plays Lego at five years old is beautiful, but if you're still playing Lego, not professionally, still playing Lego at thirty, then it it they went down they didn't go up. It's true that they may have improved slightly in their Lego playing, but they didn't go up, they went down. That's called regressing going up means from year to year I'm actually gro- like the ladder it's taking steps up the ladder. There's there's only two options. Either I'm going down or I'm going up. I can't be still on my ladder. Being still on your ladder means you're not using your potential to its fullest and you're actually really going down. So this was his dream. Okay, before I finish, I want to talk about some, we have a few minutes, some prophecies that are also told whilst Jacob was on this ladder. So according to Jewish teaching, when he was on this ladder, he saw angels going up and down. One of the Midrashim explained that he saw the future of his people because this was Haramoriah, Mount Moriah, which is the holiest place for the Jewish people. And on this place, he had a vision. This is taught in the Midrash in many places. And he had a vision. Do you know what his vision was? His vision was that there's going to be four, um, nations that will be, we will be subjugated to in the future. I'm sure we had the choice to change that, but he had a vision of exactly what's going to happen to his people in the future. These were the angels that he saw. Let me just translate for you. Some prophecies of what's going to be in the future. The story of Jacob, by the way, was over 3,500 years ago. And um, what we're seeing, what he saw was the future till today, till this moment and ahead of time. Jacob was given a vision of exactly who his children are going to be. By the way, he was promised he's going to have the land of Israel. And the land of Israel is dependent on our behavior, not on anything else how we are spiritually. So here, this is his vision. This is taught in Vayikra Rabat in Midrash. <speaking> in <Hebrew> he saw God so, showed Jacob the head of the Babylonians. This, by the way, is a prophecy all throughout the Torah and in the prophets everywhere about the four uh, nations that we would be, so to speak, subjugated to throughout our history. Within each one, there were many nations that chased us and hurt us. But we we always knew about each one of them. So this is what Jacob saw when he saw these angels going up. He saw the angel of Babylon going up and then eventually coming down. He saw, by the way, you know, you know, right? We went through what we call four galuyot, four, four exiles. We went through the exile of Babylonians. Then we went through the exile of Paras, which is Persian exile. That's the story of Purim. Then we went through the exile of Yavan, which is the Greek story, which is the story of Hanukkah, which we eventually took over. We, Yavan eventually got destroyed by a few Jews. And then that's Greece. And then Rome. Rome eventually destroyed our second temple. And we've been in for over 2,000 years in the exile of Rome. Rome is basically where the Vatican is. And, you know, thank God, the past hundred years, things have changed. But it wasn't like that. Throughout our history, the Inquisition that the Jews went through was from the Crusades. If you read anything about the Crusades, and the development of Rome and what they did to the Jewish people throughout our history. We were literally taken and battered from one country to the next based on the lies of blood libels and so on. So um, we were subjugated to these four galuyot, four exiles. We're still in exile, but we're in a different type of exile. But this is a prophecy that Jacob was given. He saw the uh officer the angel of babylonia going up and eventually coming back down he saw madai which is persia coming back down he saw greece them going up and coming back down then he saw edom which is the last the fourth one which is uh rome and that went up and eventually came down and god said to jacob you should also you will also go up And Jacob was very nervous. He says, I'm also going to come down. And God says, no, no, no. When you go up, eventually, it's going to be that you'll go up forever. That's in the time of Mashiach, which is what we hope for, which is a utopia. So we have a very clear vision of what the future is going to be like. I don't know if you know about this, but we have a lot of prophecies, especially in the book of Daniel, of what's going to be in the future. You have to understand that we're talking now at the end of times, so, we've seen all of these prophecies that were given before they happened. The prophecy of Rome, Greece, was given by prophets be- way before they all happened. Okay, uh, what's very interesting is that the past 70 years, things have changed. Things have changed from in terms of the West. And Christianity, they've embraced the Jewish people. Uh, they actually stand up for us, which has never been throughout our history. And what's transitioned into is, um, we are now being, we have now been chased, uh, and the, the biggest, so to speak, enemy of the Jewish people is radical Islam, whether it's Iran or Turkey or the Ishmael, Ben Ishmael, they are the sons of Ishmael. They are the people that are now Desiring to destroy us and remove us from our existence. And if you look at the language of what was being, what has been shown, let me just tell you, there's a Tehillim of Psalms that our Kabbalistic rabbis explain is talking about our times now, where we will be subjugated towards the end, the end of times. There's a Psalms, which is Shir HaMalot. There's 15 different Shir HaMalots in Tehillim, in Psalms. And it says there, David sang a song, and he says, If not for Hashem, the Jewish people would not be able to speak. We wouldn't be able to be here to speak. Psalm 124. If not for Hashem that was for us, a certain person would have jumped on us. They would have swallowed us. In the anger, they would have destroyed us just like water they would have washed us out they would have washed us into the oceans and we would have been completely destroyed baruch hashem this is where one of the places that baruch hashem comes from we weren't made as um the prey for their teeth we weren't eaten alive obviously it's all parables we've been like Birds that are always trying to run away from its, um, its animals that are trying to chase it. Everything, our, our home has been destroyed and we are constantly running away. Our help has always come from Hashem who created the heavens and the earth. This is our history. Now, what's very interesting is that Chaim Vital says that this is actually one of the great Kabbalists. Rabbi Chaim Vital, who's the student of the Arizal in Sfat, if you go there, you can see, um, the burial place of the Ari, the Ari Hakadosh, who brought back Kabbalah into the world. And he says that this is the prophecy for the end of days, that we will go, after we go through the four Galuyot, the four exiles, there will be one last fifth position that we will be in. And, um, that would be a whole new ballgame. That would be a whole different uh, exile that we'll be in. And through that exile, we will come to the salvation through Mashiach. And that's the times that we're in. We're seeing it very clearly. I don't want to take your time because it's late and I've been here for a while. But we have clear, you know that the Midrash in Tehillim, Ipsam, says that at the end of times, there's going to be three world wars. Isn't that interesting? We've been through two. Some rabbis say that the last war, the Gaon of Vilna, who, who lived over 100 years ago, 150 years ago, I think even more, he said that the last war that's brought down in this Midrash in Tehillim, in Psalms, is going to take a few seconds. It's going to be three. The last war is going to take a few seconds. How can you know that? And by the way, doesn't that sound like a nuclear warfare? There's much more. There's, it's amazing. I can give a whole class on all the prophecies that we have on end of days. But this is, this is amazing. It's, it's really mind-blowing. This is brought down in Jezkel, in Ezekiel, in, in the book of Daniel. Clearly. There's going to be four different types of animals he goes through in the book of Daniel in chapter seven. He goes through four different animals. First the lion with wings, which represents the Babylonians, then the bear, which is the, the which is Paras, Persia, then the leopard, Greece, and then the final unknown animal with ten heads. He talks about a special animal with ten different heads. This is Daniel, the book of Daniel written two thousand years ago. More than 2,000. Uh, This special animal that it can't even be described. It doesn't have a name to it. And it has different horns. And from one of those horns will come out three horns, which represents the last end of times that we're in. Now, all of this is not to scare us, by the way. It's to make us realize the Zohar actually talks about this. Kabbalah talks about what's the point of all of this process towards Mashiach coming. By the way, we always knew also. That the Jews will move back to Israel. This is what the Malbim. Listen to this. This was written 150 years ago. On the chapter of Yecheskel in, in the book of Yecheskel talks about what's going to be in the end. And listen to this. I'll finish off with this. Listen to this language. Don't. You can't tell me that this is human knowledge. It's clear prophecies. He kit. This is brought down in the Malbim of Yecheskel chapter 32, Ezekiel chapter 32. 17. The Malbim lived 150 years ago. But he used obviously the different prophecies that we have. He was a great scholar and a Kabbalist. He says at the end of days after shekva yashvu Yisrael Yisrael, once the Jews have moved, will move back to the land of Israel Atidim ha-um-odli tasef, all the nations are going to gather together to fight over Jerusalem a leader of the, of the West called Gog. By the way, these names are the children of Noah. When, after Adam was, after everything happened to Adam, so then uh, there was the great flood, then there was Noah, and there's many names that were given. These names are the names of all the different cultures that there are in the world. And over time, they changed their names. Okay, uh, the name of, Germany is not the name that it is today. It's a different type of uh, name that they changed themselves, but they are considered as Edom. They are also considered as part of the U- Europe and, and the West and part of the children of Edom. So it says that at the end of the day, there will be a war trying to conquer Jerusalem. Uh, this nation called Gog, the head of it, will together with Meshech Toval, these are European together with the North and the West. So we're talking about Europe, North and West. These three different places are all under Edom. Shehem <ha'aleim hanikrim> Edom. These are the people that do not believe in what we believe in, which is in. Um, we, they don't do circumcision. The West do not do circumcision. I know circumcision is another whole discussion, but just bear with me. They would fight together with this people called Meshech and Toval, who today are people that live in Europe. And there, there will be Paras, which is Persia of today, which is Iran, Kush and Fut. Fut is a, is a um, uh, Libya. And similarly, Tugrima, which is Turkey. These are all languages from people that were before, way before. Okay. Shehem, um, kulam nimolim machazikim bedat Ishmaelim. They are all circumcised and they actually have the Ishmaelite religion. They would fight together to take over the lands of Israel, of Jerusalem. But what will happen is they will get, there'll be a big confusion. They'll fight with each other, um, because they won't get along because their belief is different and they will fight for different causes and everything they would destroy themselves. This is the end, the last war. Um, and then he says, uh, this is another whole group of people that have the Ishmael religion. So another whole group of people under the religion of Ishmael who are circumcised, and they have a different belief than the people of Iran, which is very interesting. This is what we're seeing right now. And together with another group of um, Western groups, different countries. By the way, it says, in Daniel, these ten this last animal will be with ten heads because the leaders of the end of days will be ten different nations, not the way it always was, where there's like these kings or monarchies. It's different today where there's ten different nations that they have power, and they're all gonna try and fight and it says that um they will all fight each other at the end and they'll all fall, and then from there we'll start the process of mashiach and things will re- will there'll be this unity in the world the knowledge of god and the sheikh is actually a real person that would lead the jewish people and save us and so on and so forth this is all part of our belief what's the point of all this why why, why do we need all this so actually the Zohar brings down that this is not for the jewish people necessarily per se he brings down that this is um, because throughout history, all of these nations that went and destroyed us in ways that you cannot imagine. Today, we've moved on, so we think, okay, what's this rabbi talking about? But no, we're talking about Germany. We're talking about the Inquisition. I don't know if you, any of you have been to Spain. If you go and see what happened in the Inquisition, just read about it. Jews were tortured in ways that you cannot even imagine. People can't do that and get away scot-free. That's not our belief. So Judaism actually believes that the leaders of those times will actually be reincarnated, come back into life, and they will be leaders of their own nations, and they will be fighting against each other, meaning to see their own destruction. And then from that will eventually um, come Mashiach, the salvation. What do we want Mashiach for? So that the world will be in unity, that there will be a oneness of Hashem, there will be peace in the world and the world will enter its own new reality. Actually, we believe that the reality of the world will change slightly. This time that we're in now is a time that we can work on ourselves. Once the Mashiach, so to speak, comes, it's already like a new world, and we cannot work on ourselves anymore. These are all the prophecies of the future. This was all taught to Jacob whilst he was on this ladder. There's much more. I'm only giving you basics. Um... But we are in what we call chavleimashif. What's, what's for me, what's peaceful to know is that all that we're seeing in the world is a path to somewhere. It's when I believe that there's no path to anywhere, then I get confused and I'm lost. But we actually believe, look, we've had history. We went through the Babel. We went Babylonians. We went through the Greeks. We went through the the Persians that tried to destroy us. We went through Rome, which have just finished, basically. They finished trying to destroy us. Not anymore. You have to understand there was not one place, France we were kicked out of, England kicked out of. This was all under the influence of Rome. This has all changed today. Things have twisted a little bit, but now we're in the final process. It's very comforting to know that there's a bigger picture behind the physical reality that we see, and this is what we we believe in, and it's it's a... Comforting position to have to know that there's actually a path that we're on. It's a shame people don't read Hebrew, they don't know the language, so they don't really see the texts and they don't understand how clear and how defined everything is. And how we know exactly we knew that people were going to go back to Israel, that the Jews are going to go back there. We always knew that. As soon as we entered there, the transition happened because that's a place. Israel is a place of Yishmael. They have a right to that land also. Um, At least some right, because they also have certain mitzvot of Abraham. They have the mitzvah of Brit Milah and they have the mitzvah of Chesed of kindness. And for that reason, we believe that they also have a position. That's why they were given, they have Mount Moriah, how Moriah is under their control right now. But it's all a path towards something much greater. But this is what it is. Who would have believed even 100 years ago, that that the end of days will be a religious war. Religion from the past 100 years has been something which has been completely dismissed, whether it was Soviet Union or whether it was in Germany. Religion was being completely dismissed. Suddenly, over the past uh, 20 20 years, since uh, bin Laden came into the picture, suddenly the world got into a religious war, and it's gone radical. Something is going on and we foresaw this. We actually foresaw that towards the end of the days this would actually be the transition. So, you could tell me, listen Rabbi, this all was too foreign to me. I can't believe this. Well, first is, it might be foreign because you've never sat and studied it. But one thing's for sure, there's many, many books that I would recommend which talk about the end of days and what will be. But one thing's for sure, we're living at the end of times. So, all what was happened to us in the past has been predetermined, and it happened, and we're still here. We knew everything that was going to happen, and it happened, and we're still here. So it should be the greatest proof and comfort that what we're told about what's going to be in the future is really going to happen. Anyway, so that's really the idea. Um, the Talmud says this also one of the reasons why it's in Jerusalem that this whole battle will happen. Uh, is because, in order to wake us up, like Chavle Mashiach, like birth pains, it's called. We're in the moment of birth, where birth, in order for the baby to come out, there's moments which cause the baby to be pushed. Right? These are moments of pain, and that's what the world's going through. Whether it's COVID or the the past troubles that have been going on in the world and the chaos, financial chaos, the confusion. It's all a path to something, to something much greater. And you have to have that belief of utopia. Not a utopia so we Jews can take control of the world. That's not our belief. We're unique in that way, by the way. Every religion believes that there's a utopia so we can all take over something. That's not, really, that's not Judaism. We don't think that everyone's going to come Jewish. We don't believe that everything's going to come in a certain, follow our path. But one thing's for sure is that the world will know that God exists. Well, there'll be this extreme ability to know that God exists. There'll be uh, a certain sense of evil will, will be removed. There'll be a great connection, a longing. This is our, our hope, and we've already seen its path. So my blessing to us all is that we um feel strong, pursue the truth of Jacob, And that's the way that you will actually be somebody that leaves a really good impression on this world and to the people around you. The way to leave a good impression is through study, through truth, and through making a real uh, ability to see people for who they really are, not for what they can offer me. That's, That's truth. Truth is somebody who's deep, who sees beyond the physical. Oh, I see a human being, but I'm not just seeing flesh. I'm not just seeing... Somebody that I can be with. I'm seeing a soul. Okay, that's, that's already taking me to the next level. That was Yaakov, that was Jacob. And somebody who does that is authentic, they're integral, they are really loving, they mean it, they are honest. And the way to achieve that is through study. Study, study, study. Torah study. Yaakov Ishtam Yoshev Ohalim, was a man that sat and studied. So as much as you should go for a jog to be healthy, you should make sure you have a book that you're reading about improving your life, not just a novel. Those, are, those could be good too. Depends what type of novel. But really, um, what we should be doing is reading something that can direct us constantly to be filling ourselves with the wisdom of this world. And the best thing to read, obviously, is something